Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm your host, Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder. And today we're talking about workplace etiquette. And joining us is a very special guest, Shirley Weiss, and she's currently president of Weiss Associates, special advisor to the president of Arizona State University, and she was the first woman in 150 years to be the chief administrative officer at Mayo Clinic. Shirley, I just want to thank you for taking the time to join us. We do appreciate your time and your expertise. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, as we kick off, I was just wondering if you could share your background with us and why you chose to write your book and you know, what inspired you to write it. I'd be happy to. I feel like I've been very blessed. I uh, started out as uh, the first person in my family to ever go to college, and I was of the generation where women typically were nurses, secretaries, teachers, mm-hmm. makers. And I started out, first of all, as a registered nurse, actually as a nurse's aide, and then went into um, nursing uh, with a bachelor's degree in nursing from Michigan State University and enjoyed that. But I always knew I wanted to be in business. So I started my first 10 years of my career in emergency medicine, actually care delivery and then managing several emergency departments. Wanted to make my way through the ranks and and to really get into more general administration. So I tried to uh, make a move into being the head of the business office at the hospital. And that that Mm -hmm. worked out for me in terms of people seeing me the way I saw myself. So as I finished my master's degree in management, I decided to make a big move and went into the, the, the new HMO world, the health maintenance organization movement. That was back in the late 80s and early 90s. Did that for about 10 years and eventually became the chief operating officer for a Blue Cross HMO in um, mid-Michigan. And then in 1995, uh, Mayo Clinic uh, recruited me. They were looking for someone to head up their health plan work. And so I was asked to move from Michigan to Rochester, Minnesota. And um, ended up spending almost 20 years at Mayo Clinic, first of all, in the health plan and, and contracting area. Then I was asked to move to the uh, Arizona operation and run our Arizona Mayo Clinic uh, activities. I did that for about six years. And then finally, ended my career as the chief administrative officer for all of Mayo Clinic. And in that role, I was the highest ranking non-physician on the Mayo model. I as a physician in the Ministry of Partnerships and has had mm-hmm. for 150 years. And so I was kind of the business leader for Mayo Clinic and did that for seven years, uh, overseeing about 60,000 employees and a, a budget of $9 billion. So as I said, I feel very blessed. I've had a good, very successful career. And as I was wrapping that career up, people kept asking me, how'd you do it? How'd you go from being a nurse mm-hmm. aide to the top person at Mayo Clinic? And um, so that's what really led me to write the book. I felt like I wanted to share some of the things I learned along the way to help others on their journey. How did you do it? Well, uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of different <laughs> parts to that question. That's why you have to read my book, Playing to Win in Business, I guess. But yeah. a number of things. Uh, I think first of all is really understanding uh, from my perspective that life is made up of games. And okay. It was something I, I determined very early on. I not in any way to minimize uh, how life works, but that, you know, there's a work game, there's a, a social game, there's a dating game, there's the marriage game. But uh, all of life, really, if you step back and get a little distance from it, you can see that there's rules to the game. And so that was one of the first uh, kind of ahas for me is just understanding I had to step back and figure out, first of all, what game I was playing and then try to understand what the rules were. Now, how does workplace etiquette play into these games that you need to play? Because you know, you hear a lot about office politics and, you know, how you need to play a game there and what you do and say can have an impact on the longevity of your career. That's a great question. And I think that I kind of call it the big R and the little R rules. Mm-hmm. 
And the big R rules of etiquette are the things that uh, you read in the employee manual, you know, where you park and how to punch in to get paid and, and those sorts of things. But the things that trip people up are kind of the little R rules, the cultural rules. And those you have to just watch and listen. And if you're fortunate, find some people as you first go into a, a new position or a new company that are willing to help you kind of understand how it works. But I'll give you an example of, of, of an easy one, but one that happens all the time. And as you go into a meeting or you, you meet a group of people you don't know well and you, you go in, first of all, where do you sit? Mm-hmm. When the, the chair of the committee says, well, does they want to have any input? You have to really early on figure out, do they mean that? Or is that just kind of a nice thing they say, but they really don't want you to ask any questions or chime in at all? And, and so I think those sorts of little R rules are the things that trip people up. And, and you just have to, again, I call it getting up in the stands, okay, getting a little distance and watching what's going on in the room around you and really observing how people are interacting. Now, are these etiquette standards different for women and men? Well, you know, I think the etiquette standards are different in every organization, first mm-hmm. of all. And clearly, I have come to understand over a long time, but in the corporate world, that they are a little different for men and women. I think okay. sometimes when a person is assertive, if it's a guy that's seen as, oh, he's a real hard-charging, very active kind of leader, as opposed for women, they might be seen as being too forceful. And so I think that's, again, one of the things that as women, we have to work through and understand how to be true to ourselves, but also be effective. And mm-hmm. for me, one of the things I uh, found along the way is I was generally the only woman in many meetings. And even now I'm on a number of corporate boards and find myself as the only woman in the room. And so for me, I, I've come to uh, use humor a lot. Okay. Oh, use it carefully, but mm-hmm. to uh, sometimes bring a, a opinion forward with a little humor to it, or if there's something I um, think should be talked about, perhaps joke around about a little bit. But I think everyone has to figure that out for themselves of how to say what needs to be said, but in a way that people can hear you. So these etiquette standards are really the little R's that trip people up. Can you give us a couple more examples of, you know, what they are? We talked about, you know, when to speak up in a meeting, where to sit in a meeting. Are there any other common ones out there that really just come to mind that people have a lot of problems with? Well, I'll tell you another one that sometimes is underestimated, and that's how you dress. Oh, okay. And I find, again, particularly for women, and I coach a lot of of women as they're making their way through the, the corporate world, and I encourage men and women to really look around and dress the way you would be dressing for your next position. So uh, if it's possible, I mean, some of some of the folks were uh, going to be talking with here probably are in situations where they have a dress code, where they have to wear a uniform or whatever, but you need to look at how people dress in the next level up. So if you are aspiring to a position, you know, does everyone uh, wear the same kind of tie or do the women all wear uh, certain sort of uh, shoes, higher heels, lower heels or whatever, certain kinds of jewelry? And I think also for young women that are starting out in their careers, understanding that what looks fashionable, what you might wear when you're going out for dinner is very different than what you're going to wear in the corporate world. And as much as people are are more casual these days, there's nothing wrong with being a little more conservative. And I think generally the more conservative and the more conscious you are of looking professional, the more you will be perceived in that way. Mm-hmm. And I know it's it's comfortable to come in in the, in the business casual and, and such, but people really form an impression of you very early on by what you're wearing, how you hold yourself, uh, how you position yourself, as I said, in the meeting room. 
And those things are very important, and you can't uh, change those first impressions after they've been made. Now, you've mentioned a couple times that you really just need to watch and observe and really look at what others are doing and try to model yourselves after, you know, what they're doing, if they're doing it well. But one of the things that just concerns me, if you're new in an organization, you're not going to know, you know, who's on the up and up and who might be on their way out. So would you have any recommendations for, you know, how to choose who you should be watching and, you know, who you might want to kind of stay away from? It's one of those that in some ways changes as days go by. I mean, <laughs> people may be in today and out tomorrow sort of thing. I think that's one of the reasons as a new person, you really just kind of want to watch and, and in some ways kind of keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. It's important just to, to listen, to really uh, pay attention. Certainly, you can look at the org chart and that gives you a sense of where the official power is. But again, a little our rule is that many times the informal power comes from people that you at least expected. So I, I think just listening, watching, and having a network of people across the organization, not necessarily just in your work area. But I think for me, one of the keys to success was to have people that I knew in all different parts of the organization that would give me their worldview. They would give me their opinion from perhaps a little different perspective. Mm-hmm. And as you've been around the organization, hopefully you'll find a couple of key people that you really can know and trust. But it's always, I think, good advice to listen and to process, and then not necessarily to share your opinions too early until you really feel like you you understand the culture. And speaking of culture, I think culture, you hear it all the time these days, that everyone's concerned about culture and making sure that on both ends it's a great cultural fit. So what recommendations would you have for someone if they, you know, they start a new job, they get into it, and then they find out, well, uh-oh, this culture doesn't really, you know, mesh with me, or there's some of these little R things that just don't sit well with me. What recommendations or suggestions would you have for those individuals? Well, I think that um, knowing yourself is important, and, and mm-hmm. whole chapter in uh, Playing to Win in Business about knowing yourself, what you want out of life where your your values lie, what's important to you. And knowing yourself allows you to evaluate the sorts of things you're talking about, I think, faster. Okay. If you get into an organization and you find that it really is not a good fit for you, that they're doing things that you don't agree with from an ethical perspective or you just don't like the way they treat their employees, my advice is just to, you know, really not waste a lot of time and move on as best you can. Sometimes it may feel like it's not a good fit, and you may give, want to give yourself a little time just to see if, if you're really seeing it clearly. But that internal barometer, that knowing yourself is so important because uh, life is short and you want to make good decisions. But at the same time, you want to make sure you didn't uh, lose an opportunity to learn some new things just because it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, again, it's one of those things you have to use your judgment on. But, but if you just f- find yourself dreading getting up every day and going to work, there's a pretty strong message there about it's probably time to look at something else. Now, what do you see, you know, when you were writing your book and looking back on your career, was there anything that stuck out to you as something that, as far as workplace etiquette, that you wish you would have done differently? And, you know, if you had done it differently, what would it have looked like? I guess I would just say the thing that I have come to understand is crucial for my success, and I I watch it with many other people, is your ability to have good interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. I think the key to my personal success was the concept of um, respect. In fact, I have even trademarked a term called just respect, and my Mm -hmm. next book will be called um, Just Respect. 
And I have found that by, first of all, respecting myself and understanding, again, who I am, what I want to do with my life, understanding that I have value to bring was part of that that, uh, just respect concept. But the second part is just respect, just like just do it. And that is to give respect to others because that's how you earn it and uh, that's how it comes back to you. And the places where I feel like I might have got off track along the way was where I was maybe too task-oriented and didn't spend time on the interpersonal skills. Nowadays, it's so easy. We all know this. Um, You got an iPhone in your hand. You got a device or your tablet, whatever you're uh, working with. In fact, I just wrote a, a blog for a group talking about how can you get back respect from employees. Well, the first thing I recommend is put your phone and your, all your devices away. When you walk down the hall, actually look at people, say hello, establish <laughs> eye contact, and show your respect. Demonstrate that respect because it's so lacking. It's, you know, we're all kind of tethered to our devices. So times when I feel like I, I might have done better uh, is when I missed some cues because I didn't really pay attention to the interpersonal side of things. And as much as uh, we've become very modern and, and uh, use our devices, people still are people. Mm-hmm. And uh, people will go right to the mat for you as a colleague and as a leader if they believe that you respect them and that you're, you're going to go out of your way to help them be successful. Now, Shirley, as we look to wrap the show up today, I wanted to give you a moment here at the end to share a final message with our listeners on the topic of, you know, workplace etiquette and, you know, what you've learned from your career. Well, I think that uh, probably the most important thing I've learned along the way about workplace etiquette is, again, this idea of of respect. And I, I come back to that again because I think that that makes such a difference in the quality of your life as an employee, as a leader, as a supervisor, a manager, for those who are aspiring to go to higher levels in the organization, people expect that you know all the technical things. People expect that you uh, are knowledgeable. But it's the people who can package that knowledge, that expertise, and have excellent interpersonal skills that are able to work well with others, I think, that make all the difference. And that works across any culture, across any organization. I would really encourage people to not only work on that, what they do side of their careers, but how they do it and how they they share and work well with others. With that said, that's all the time that we have today on Moving Up the Ladder. So Shirley, thanks for joining us and sharing your expert experience and advice. We do appreciate it. Great. And for those of you listening, if you're looking to find more employment-related shows, head over to aljanradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, Send our team an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio, and I'll see you next time.